Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz do it. They do it again. They win again. They beat the guys wearing the Brooklyn Nets uniforms. Kevin Durant's hurt. He hasn't played for a while. Kyrie Irving is excused from this road trip. He's got a family member to fam, family matter to attend to. So these three games, he's not playing. And James Harden off the heels of a win in Portland where he played 40 minutes and had a huge stat line. They give him the night off. They said it was a sore neck. And, you know, if it had been the playoffs, I'm sure he would have played. But it isn't the playoffs. And they don't need home court. And they can probably still get it anyway. And so why, you know, why run James Harden into the ground? So they sit him and then there's a bunch of role players not playing. You know, Dinwiddie's not playing. Blake Griffin's not playing. You can just go down the list of guys who aren't playing. So the Jazz uh, won the first quarter 38 to 17. They had a 21 point lead. They jumped on him early. And uh, you'll hear coming up in the Best of the Post game show uh, later this hour uh, that multiple, well, the two guys who spoke, so multiple guys, both the players who spoke, Donovan Mitchell and Bojan Bogdanovich, uh, they both said, um, hey, we remember the Houston game. First game back after the break. You know, they're not good. We really struggled with them, struggled through the first half, struggled into the third quarter, gave up runs. So... They made sure that the Brooklyn game looked and felt different. And boy, did it look and feel different. They got that 25-point halftime lead. They pushed it to 36. They win by 30. It was it was a no-doubter. And they cleared the bench with uh, seven or eight minutes left in the game. So the Jazz get the win. That's 17 in a row at home. And not only that, uh, they stretched their lead in the Western Conference because the Phoenix Suns, who have the second-best record in the West, uh, and ironically, have the best record against the West. Phoenix, for whatever reason, is struggling versus the East, and the Jazz are handling the East pretty well. So the Jazz have the best record by three games, but the Suns actually have a better mark in conference games. So the Jazz, they, now they've also played a lot more. Uh, they're 19 and 8 against the West. The Jazz are 13 and 6, but that still gives Phoenix a better percentage. If the Jazz go 6 and 2 in their next eight against the West, they would match them. And it doesn't really matter how you perform against the whole West because you're only going to have to beat three Western teams to get to the NBA Finals. I say only, like that'll be easy, right? Um, but only as opposed to, you know, there's uh, 14 potential opponents, but you only have to play three of them. So it's really how you match up with those three. It's not even how you match up with the whole West. But I did find that interesting when I uh, when I heard that mentioned. Uh, I don't think I saw it on Twitter. I think they mentioned it on the ESPN broadcast. But in any case, or maybe on SportsCenter. But in any case, uh, the Suns are back East and going back to back. And they had won in Miami, but then they turn around and lose in Orlando. And they got beat 112-111 and gave up an Evan Fournier driving, uh, twisting uh, layup high off the glass with six seconds left to win the game. Devin Booker had some good quotes afterwards um you know i think booker is uh statistically it's not that different but to me it's just massive that he's he's having this kind of year and scoring on a team that's winning um because you got to hit big shots and i get he didn't hit enough big shots to win it but when they blew that game he said all the right things afterwards and you gotta like that too if you're a suns fan or an nba fan and just want to see good young players develop he said hey we got an eight or ten lead and we messed around screwed around with it and we blew it and we lost the game and still could have could have done it if we made just a couple of big plays at the end of the game, which is true. It's a one-point game, you know, a stop here, a bucket there. Um, but they didn't do it, and they lost. But I thought that was uh, pretty interesting. He said all the right things after that. So the Jazz now three games clear of the Suns in the Western Conference. They are four up on the Clippers. Clippers beat the Spurs and are turning around and playing the Spurs again tomorrow night. Or tonight, I mean. 
Uh, they're playing back-to-back nights, not the two and three. You know, the Jazz are going to go play the Lakers in a month, and it'll be two and three. But the Jazz this week are playing the Grizzlies back-to-back Friday, Saturday. And oddly, then they have a third game the next week. So they play them three times in pretty quick succession. So it'll be uh, Spurs and Clippers again. Clippers got the win, and now we'll see if they can turn around and do it again. You know, often when you play two, a team twice that close, they split, which there is a big history of that. But I think there's enough of a talent gap between the Clippers and the Spurs that the Clippers ought to be able to handle it. So Jazz, three games up on the Suns, four up on the Clippers, four and a half on the Lakers, and... The Lakers are going to play the Sixers tonight. That's the second game on TNT. So the Lakers, with their depleted lineup and a three-game losing streak, we'll, we'll see how this plays out for them and how quickly they're going to fall back towards the Nuggets and Blazers. I think that, assuming the Lakers get healthy in the playoffs, you know there should be seven pretty good teams in the West. Now, one of those will, you know, the math tells you one of those will have to play in the playing game where the playing game or games. Um, seven will play eight and the winner will be in. Nine will play ten and the loser will be out. And then whoever loses the game between the better teams will play the you know the team that wins. Right now, Dallas and San Antonio seven and eight. The winner would be in and the loser would play the winner of the Memphis Golden State game. I would expect Beck Golden State to do a little better, but you know, Steph Curry's out, and you know, a lot of this is going to depend on who plays down the stretch, who legitimately gets hurt, and which team wants to tank and sits a guy with something he could play through. Um, and it'll also be interesting to see how far the Lakers fall. The Lakers are sitting on 16 losses. If they lose to the Sixers tonight, that's 17. Denver and Portland are both sitting on 18 losses. So the Lakers are fourth, but they could be fifth or sixth in a hurry. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out and and how long um, how long the the Lakers are shorthanded here with without both AD and LeBron. I think it'll help to get AD back. It will help more to get LeBron back. It would help mostest to get them both back. But that seems like it's still a month away. So see how that goes. But the Jazz uh, took care of business, and now they got the Grizzlies, who are ninth in the West and are twenty one and twenty. Sitting on a three game win streak right now. Been bouncing around 500. That's where they are, a game above it right now. So, and, and obviously, it's a big prize to go from ninth to eighth because then you got uh, two chances to win one game instead of having to win twice. Much better to be in the seven eight slot than it is in the nine ten. So, Grizzlies definitely have something to play for. You know, they're a young team on the way up. So, anything they get is more than they had. And, you know, staying in ninth would be more than they had. But getting into that seven eight game would be a big prize. So, it'll be interesting to see with the Jazz playing in three times in quick succession, you know, how this works out. Mike Conley versus his old team. Uh, I don't want to put too much into that game because it wasn't a game for very long. The Jazz, um, you know, jumped out to a big early lead. Really, in the first five minutes of the game, it wasn't even the first quarter. You know, the first five minutes of the game, they they pushed the lead up, to, you know, to double digits and, and just rolled early. Uh, but a couple weird things happened. One was that uh, Jordan Clarkson could not, just couldn't find. It. He made. Well, I guess he could because he made one bucket. Uh, he had a miserable shooting night. So did Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles, who had been red hot from three and was 18 of 22 in his last three games and it got to 50% on the season. And 18 of 22 is 81%. You knew he had to cool off. He was one of six. So he did cool off in a game that they didn't really need him to be hot. Clarkson was one of 11. That was uh, one of 11 from three, one of 15 from the floor. Joe didn't take any two-pointers. His one of six was one of six from three, and his one of six on the night. But Clarkson was one of 11 from three and one of 15. But then afterwards, he was like, hey, another win. We got to keep getting better bit by bit, adding to things, you know, brick by brick, like all the bricks I shot tonight. 
Okay, that was pretty funny and pretty self-deprecating. Uh, if you're on on Twitter, check out Jordan Clarkson's feed because that was that was pretty good. Uh, but the guy everyone's been worried about, Bojan Bogdanovic, uh, shot it well, and he was upset. He missed a couple shots early in the game. You'll hear him talk about that. But he was four of six from three. That's sixty-seven percent. That's that's a good night at the office. He was four or five at the line. That's eighty percent. That's a good day at the office. And five of eight. 62.5% from the floor, all those shooting numbers are good. That's what you want Bogey to look like. Maybe, if anything, you want a little more volume. You want him to take a few more shots when he's that hot. Uh, but the way things have been going, you can't complain about that at all. Uh, 18 points on 5 of 8 shooting. 4 of 6 beyond the arc, and 4 of 5 of the line, done and done. And he has gotten uh, you know, a little... Little heat for having the thirty trillion, right? Where you got the thirty points, you got nothing else all the way across the box score. He did have uh, three rebounds and three assists, so he added in something a little there. So um, hey, Bogey gets a little back on track. Two other guys are cooler, not not good, but eh, you know it's one night. And Niang had it going on. Uh, Mitchell and Niang were both five of eight from three, in addition to Bogey's four of six. So the Jazz still shot forty two percent from the three point line. So that's the beautiful thing about, you know, thinking, hey, we got an any given night. We could have five or six or seven guys. You're probably not going to have everybody hot from the three-point line. So on a night, a couple guys are ice cold. A couple other guys go nuts and, uh, and play, really, play really well, shoot it really well, which, of course, you know, everything you do from the ball handling to the execution to the screening, the cutting, everything is to set up that shot and make it as high percentage as possible. And they cashed in 42% from three. When they do that, when they make 23 three-pointers, they're good to go, especially against a depleted team like the Nets. So now the Grizzlies Friday and the Grizzlies again Saturday, both those games at home. Jazz are home. That was that Brooklyn game was the uh, first of uh, they're playing like 11 of 14 at home. So, going to be a lot of home games coming up here. All right, DJ and PK, we're going to take a break. We got the best of the post game show coming up a little later. But next, a little college football to get you going. The Utes meeting with the media, a couple of position coaches, uh, one of the positions you have the most confidence in, and one of the positions you have the least confidence in. And we will get to that next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So, we're into the middle of spring football here. For BYU, it's winding down. They've uh, moved their uh, spring football spectacular. I hate to call them spring football games. Especially now that they're supposed to be on TV and recruits get to see them. But, of course, opposing coaching staffs get to see them, too. So, they become more vanilla than they already were. And now BYU's moving theirs indoors. So, they were hoping to get some fans there. But, uh with the weather forecast and the way everything's trending, they're just going to go indoors and do things there. So <clears throat> BYU's wrapping it up at the end of this week. Utes are uh, still picking up steam here. And uh, a couple position coaches meeting with the media uh, this week, Sharif Shah and Chad Bumpus. Now, Sharif is his veteran a coach as you can be going back to his playing days his utah roots run deep chad bumpus brand new just got here for spring ball now he was here before as a grad assistant uh, but he played on the other side of the country in the sec so 
you know, doesn't have deep ties here. You know, who who is Chad Bumpus and uh, where does he want to go with the uh, receivers here and what is he like? You're going to find out he's a high-energy guy. If anything, he's kind of a young Sharif. And <laughs> Sharif probably doesn't want to hear me call him old. But, uh, hey, Sharif was playing when I got here in the 90s, so... What, what are you going to do, right? And uh, went off and had his law career and then came back and has now been coaching for a long time. And the defensive backfield, man, they have talent and then they coach them up. You know, sometimes you recruit guys and they got a big rep, but it doesn't quite work out. But with the Utes, um, they've recruited guys who are maybe in the three-star range and turned them NFL guys, but then they bring in a guy who's in the four-star range and he turns into an NFL guy. So... Even though there's been a lot of change in the defensive backfield, it was a, a pretty good uh, 2020 season, as truncated as it was, that short little five-game tiny season. Uh, but you could still see, even though they gave up some big plays, you could see them getting better and expect that they will be better this year. Now, what is Bumpus going to do with the receivers? Um, you know, I, I want to say he gets a pass, but you never really get a pass because there's there's too much at stake and the Utes have been too good and they're too close to winning the conference, even though they haven't done it. And it seems like they got a decent chance to be the top team in the division. Again, they're not the favorite. I think USC is the favorite. But I don't think that either ASU or Utah is thinking this is an impossible deal. It could be done. There'd be a lot of things that break or out of control that could break your way. And then you got to control all the stuff you can't control, you know, and, and play well and not mess up winnable games and all that kind of stuff. So at the same time, you got to recognize the youths. It just looks like they're short and talented wide receiver. Now, can Chad Bumpus coach somebody up? Can somebody who's off the radar have a breakout season? Well, yeah, it could happen. Of course, it hasn't happened for Utah receivers, and that's why I doubt, and that's why you doubt, that it will happen, and yet we have to acknowledge it could. You know, and the reason Kyle made a coaching change was trying to unlock some potential he sees not being tapped. Now, obviously, you know, they only really had four guys catching the ball as wideouts last year, and two of them transferred out, you know. But, hey, they need a 1,000-yard receiver. Can Solomon Enos be that guy? It doesn't seem like Britton Covey can. It would take too many catches, and he's a, not a bigger guy. And how many hits did he have to take? Um, but still, they can get a lot of production out of those two guys, and if they could just find a third guy to step up and be good. Not great. Just be good. Uh, given what they have with the tight ends and given what we expect out of the running game, could be enough. So, all right, let's listen to coaches. We will start first with the guy who uh, you've heard from before, Sharif Shah. Sharif Shah. He's a talker. He's high energy. He knows he's got some talent, and he knows there's still a lot of potential to be unlocked in the defensive backfield. Here's Sharif Shah. Good morning, Coach Shah. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. So, you you had a very young cornerback group last year, and you know they were able to get five games of reps in there of very meaningful of, of very meaningful reps how how crucial was that especially when they didn't lose any eligibility invaluable you know because on paper it'll be the same group only by freshmen right that'll be the designation that falls at the end of the name but in terms of accumulated reps game time experience i mean absolutely invaluable because we can talk all day in the film room we can get out and practice and go against our own guys but when you have an opportunity to play a real game, make a real tackle, get a PBU, a potential interception, as a young player, it develops and builds confidence that it's just no substitute for. So it it really will pay, I think, massive dividends for us going forward. Next, we'll go to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, followed by Bill Riley, ESPN 700. Hey, Sharif, how are you this morning? I'm outstanding. I appreciate it. Good. Um, 
you know, this is still a young group, but as you just said, they have experience now. Um, how does the dynamic in the room change? You know, they're, they're young, but they have experience now. You know, they have some idea of what they're doing. How does the dynamic of the room change? I think what you try to look for now, even with a young group that has just a little bit of experience, who is going to emerge as that leader? You know, because everybody just can't say, we all can't sit back and say, okay, well, we're all young, we're all young. Now, yes, we have just a little bit of experience, but now I'm looking for and I'm pushing to get a leader out of this young group. And right now I have two guys that are starting to emerge and that's Clark Phillips and Travis Broughton, who I absolutely love. And their leadership, just by how they conduct their business every day, is what's getting exciting. You know, you get practice players, if we go back a few years, or maybe just a year or two ago, to like Jalen Johnson. What people never saw, what you guys probably couldn't appreciate every day, is how hard Jalen practiced. And I loved it. And I, and I pushed him that way. And I said, listen, if you really want to be great on Saturday, be great every single day in practice in every single period of every single rep. And so I'm screaming at him like it's a game in practice. I'm doing the same thing to, to Travis, the same thing to Clark, wanting them to just recognize that if I'm yelling at you like this, if I have this level of intensity, then the game should be easy. Now demand it from the people that's going to be on the field with you. Require them to do the exact same thing. Open up your mouths and speak. I don't have enough vocal players in my room, and that's what I'm really trying to develop right now. Just to follow that up, you know, you, you say that you want to develop some more vocal players. How, how do you develop something like that where maybe a kid is not super vocal? Can you turn a kid into a vocal player? Absolutely. Absolutely. And first and foremost, you know, and, and guys have laughed at me for years, but when we stand in the indoor – and I'm on one opposite end of the field and I'm making the corner stand on the other opposite end and I'm asking them to give me a call. And they're like, coach, I can't, I have to yell it. There you go. So let's start using your outside voice. We're not in the library, speak up and yell it to me. So you have to train that love, that vocal muscle, make them scream, make them yell because 50, 60, sometimes 70,000 people, it's going, you're going to get drowned out. So if you're not used to, first of all, communicating in a very loud, forceful way, you're not going to help us. It's going to be the worst possible addition to a very young defense to have a quiet secondary player. We have to be able to communicate. So I think that a kid can come into the room very quiet, very bashful, but you can do things to encourage his ability to speak up, you know, and to speak forceful, uh, forcibly so that he can be heard. I need a forceful voice. And that's important. I'm, I'm just telling you, the offenses change, shift motion, and we have to yell at each other. So you can do small things. That's just one of many things that I try to do on the field to try to develop a louder, more vocal group. Next, Bill Riley, ESPN 700, followed by Sammy Mora from The Chronicle. Coach Shaw. Real deal. What's up, baby? Good morning. Uh, Kyle talked the other day about you guys getting back to playing more man-to-man. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious where, where that came. Was there something late in the season? Is it just the development of the offseason and where these guys are now? And the second part of that is how important for the, kind of the, the, the DNA of this defense is it that you guys play man-to-man -man defense? Oh, Bill, you, you've seen and watched this defense develop, you know, for a number of years now. And I think coaches desire to go back to playing man to man is because you start to get kids who had just a little bit of confidence. You know, you coach Scally, I, I love him 
because he's not only because he's intense like me, but he's incredibly intelligent. So he's always going to put the entire defense in the best position to win. And going into this season, we had to be smart. You know, we had a lot of young guys that were completely untested. So you needed to mix in more zone than we normally would and get them comfortable at pattern matching, knowing high-low compromises, understanding how to go from one look to another look, and then like a quarterback would progress through his read, so does a secondary, you know, and a linebacking core. But as the season, the young season progressed, you started to see some guys get some confidence in their man's coverage skills. Coach Witt, in his discerning eye, said, listen, we have now enough reps in that young season to start to push our guys in a way that we didn't want to do or couldn't do last year. So let's get back to our DNA. When you're able to, and to answer the second part of your question, Bill, if you're able to play man coverage, as you know, you're able to do a whole lot with that front. I can, I, if I have a good lockdown corner or somebody who's developing to a lockdown corner, I may be able to utilize my other defenders in ways that could be suffocating. So man coverage is good for us. It, it disrupts the timing between the quarterback and the receiver. And if we're really playing good man coverage, it allows our defensive line to get there a little bit faster. As many times as that quarterback is patting on that ball and we want pat, 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 sack. That's what we like. So that means cover, cover, and cover again. So I just think it's the evolution of what you're starting to see uh, from the young group. And there are so many kids that are starting to develop, whether it's, you know, Malone, Mata Drew Rawls, Zamaya Vaughn. You know, you're just starting to see people get more comfortable playing man coverage and the techniques that we teach. Next, we'll go to Sammy Mora from the Chronicle. Good morning, Coach. Good morning. Um, so quick question. So with the kick return game, the only person who's listed on the two deep is Britton Covey. What are the possibilities of seeing someone like Jalen Dixon back in that kickoff return or in that punt return role um, headed into fall? Great question. Uh, I think there will probably be a high likelihood of trying to get one of our other uh, dynamic electric playmakers back there, you know, because Britton is so pivotal to the offense. I mean, we, 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 we want to try to keep him in that offensive set, but God, he does so much for the team. But I have to do a good job of identifying other ball players like a Jalen Dixon, who you mentioned, or Money Parks. You know, people who consistently get the ball in their hands and are absolutely electric. So that's my goal. And to your point, we're definitely trying to develop that secondary person so that we can introduce him early in the season. And I don't know who it's going to be, but top of the list, as you've identified, would be Jalen Dixon, would be Amani Parks. I think some of our uh, young, um, the transfer backs that we've had have experience and also kick returning, whether it's TJ Pledger and also Chris Curry. So we have elite, the good thing, we have some good options. There's Sharif Shah. He coaches the defensive backs. Chad Bumpus is brand new, former grad assistant at the U. So some of the guys know him. And uh, Britton Covey spoke very highly of him earlier in the week. So did Kyle. And uh, Chad Bumpus is back now. Can he unlock the potential in the wide receiver uh, group? Can somebody have a breakout season? Here's Chad Bumpus. First of all, welcome back to Utah. Um, and second, what, what stood out about the job when you were going through the process? Uh, first, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, good to be back. Um, and the people. That was the biggest thing for me. I, I was here as a graduate assistant in 18 and got to meet some of the people on staff in the facility. 
uh, just the people in Utah in general. Um, and I understood what kind of program it was, what kind of program I was coming back to, the way the guys work, uh, everything that's expected of the guys. And literally what I was used to, uh, same program basically from uh, what I had in college. So I was really familiar with it, uh, got to know some of the guys who were still here. So um, it was a no-brainer. It was exactly what I was looking for. Josh Furlong from KSL.com, followed by Josh Newman of the Salt Lake Tribune. Yeah, Chad, you're obviously, uh, you know, well-versed in this, the, the personnel on the, the roster scene that you were here a couple of years ago, but you know, what, what do you feel like you can, you can provide to this team that, that will help them maybe get more touches like coach Whittingham has talked about, especially knowing that you've been in that position and, and you've got that experience. Yeah. Just understand the fundamentals and technique right now. Um, we got a lot of guys. We got some guys who played a lot of ball, um, and we've got some young guys with some talent. So my deal is just get the most out of them, uh, help them understand where they can be successful, help understand which positions they they're, they're best at. Um, again, coach, I think Coach Ludd does an awesome job of putting guys in positions to be successful and playing to the strengths of our offense. And uh, right now, we're just trying to find those guys on the perimeter who, who we think going into fall camp can help us. Um, and we're doing a good job right now. They're working. They're doing everything I'm asking them to do. So it's just about continuing to grow every day and keep stacking days together. Next up, Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune, followed by Hans Olson. Chad, good morning. How are you? Great. How's it going? Doing well. Thank you. Um, what has the last four or six weeks been like for you? You know, you were at Austin P. You take the Central Michigan job. Uh, you know, the Utah job comes up. Um, ha- had you had you moved to Michigan before already before the Utah job came up? Yes, I was in Michigan for uh, 14 days. <laughs> so, uh, I had just gotten there, um, getting to know the players. And um, and what's weird is, or I guess not weird, but funny for me is I had been in touch with Coach Witt. So um, just updating him on how my career was going, where I was, because I knew at some point I wanted to be back here. So I always stayed in touch with him. Um, and when I got the central job, we actually talked and he congratulated me, uh, just telling me stay in touch. And two weeks later, this job came open and um, I reached out to him. Uh, reached out to some of the guys on offense just to see what, what he was looking for, which direction, they, if they had an idea of which direction it would go. Um, and it worked out. Um, and so that Thursday I interviewed and Saturday morning I was on a plane. So it, it worked out just like, like I wanted, basically. Just to follow that up, I mean, it sounds like it's been a chaotic time. I mean, can you maybe just kind of speak to that a little bit, just, you know, in your personal life, just how chaotic it's been? Yeah, absolutely. Uh it's exactly what you think. But luckily for me, uh, as blessed as I am, my wife, she is really good about this. She's been through it. Her dad's been a longtime college football coach. So uh, having somebody like that who understands it, um, she's actually still back in Nashville getting everything ready. So, um, But, yeah, it's been wild. It's been a wild ride. Just uh, you don't expect it. I mean, I, I was getting settled in Michigan thinking I'm going to be here for a while, and bam, this opportunity happened and um, jumped on it. Next, we'll go to Hans Olson, 97.5 and 12.8 of the zone. So you arrived to the office, Coach, and obviously you find that some really good talent has transferred out of the program. How unsettled was the wide receiver room? And how, how much have you had to try to calm down players and unify them and, and, and settle them down? How difficult has that job been? Uh, it hadn't been difficult at all. I mean, it, in this program, you know it's the next man up, and those guys see that as an opportunity to get on the field. Obviously, we have the Coveys in the room who, who's been very successful. You got Solo. Um, and we got some guys coming along. So 
Um, there, um, there, there wasn't much stress. You know, they uh, again, they saw it as an opportunity to get on the field and make plays. So um, obviously uh, we wish the best for those guys, but it's about the guys in the building right now. And they're excited, man. They get an opportunity to go out and show what they can do. And so far we're making the most of those opportunities. So we just got to keep going, keep building, understanding what it is, what the situation is um, and make plays. That's all it's about. Next, we'll go to Josh Furlong, KSL.com. And when you were hired, we, we heard a lot about how the players loved you. You were obviously a, a name that was familiar to them and, and that people liked you. What, what do you feel of is, is your coaching style that, that allows you to maybe connect to these players and, and kind of uh, you know, help them progress through whatever they're going through as college kids? Um, very energetic. That's, that's the biggest thing for me, uh, because I love this game so much. Um, being able to get out on the grass, on the turf and just, and coach and do what I love to do, bringing a lot of energy. And another thing is my youth. Um, I use that too, as an advantage. I'm not far removed from what they're going through. So I, I'm very relatable to what they do and what they're seeing on campus. Um, what they're feeling when they're waking up for these morning workouts. I was going through that a few years ago. So, uh, like I tell them, come talk to me. There's nothing that you can say or do that's going to surprise me at this point. So very relatable, very energetic. And again, I use my youth to my advantage. I run around with them um, and, and try to have fun. You know what I mean? I'm going to coach them hard, but love them just as hard. And, and, and we're getting better. We're building those relationships and they're starting to trust me and see that I only want the best for them. Um, and so it, it's working out. We'll go back to Josh Newman, Salt Lake Tribune. Chad, you mentioned the youth and not being so far removed, you know, from where these players are now to that end. Do you think that, you know, the NFL credentials that you bring can not only help in the room, but also with the high school kids that you may uh, that you may one day recruit? Absolutely. Uh, because, again, that's their goal, right? That's everybody wants to play in the NFL. Um, I've seen the steps. I've had teammates. And again, not just me. Other coaches have. But um Again, talking to my youth, uh, it wasn't long ago when I was doing it. So um, just having those relationships, having contacts, uh, and again, playing the position, knowing what they're looking for, helping them understand that it is a business. And if you understand that before you get there, I think you last a little longer. So uh, all those areas I'm able to help, and I just try to do it as much as I can. Okay, you have your questions for Coach Bumpus. One from Sammy Mora, Daily Utah Chronicle. Hi, Coach. Um, how important is it to have two guys like Britton Covey and Solomon Enos still in the wide receiver room that you know and know what they can do? Really, really important for me, huge for me, because one, they understand my style of coaching. Um, so first time I was here, I was actually mostly inside with the uh, slot guy. So got to spend a lot of time with Covey and that was uh, Solo's freshman year. So um, him, co him coming in and being in that room, they understood my coaching style, understood what I was about. And now um, that we've had uh, some time together, you get to see them help the younger guys. And so I've done individual meetings and everybody I've talked to, I ask them, who are the leaders in the room? And you get those two guys along with others, but those are the two main guys that jump out um, just because of how much they help the guys in the room, under, help them understand what I'm about, how I go about my, my, my coaching. Um, so it's been really big for me uh, because they help the room so much. Final question will come from Josh Furlong. Yeah, you obviously mentioned Covey and Enos, but wh wh where do you see as your strengths in this this wide receiver room, and and kind of where do you see them progressing? 
Um, I think we have a lot of guys who can help us. Um, and again, my job right now is to find out where they can help us the most, whether it's inside, whether it's outside, are you to the field, are you to the boundary? Um, and I think the biggest thing right now is it's an open playing field. I mean, you've got two guys really who've played a lot of football, but we're going to rotate guys. So everybody right now has an opportunity to show what they can do in spring ball, uh, working through summer, working in the fall camp. So it's wide open. You know, you, you have guys who have waited a long time for a real opportunity to play. And right now, I don't know that you can ask for anything better, anything more. Um, you have a you have a real opportunity with a new coach, um, with some open spots. So all you have to do right now is buy into what we're selling, and make plays. And you have the you have the opportunity that you've been wanting. There's Utah wide receiver coach Chad Bumpus. All right, a little football for you. When we come back, the Jazz beat the Nets by 30. Post game comments from Quinn Snyder, from Donovan Mitchell, from Bojan Bogdanovich. They are coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Well, the Jazz take it to the Brooklyn Nets. 23 three-pointers, 42% from beyond the arc, a 38-17 first quarter. Brooklyn didn't have Kevin Durant. He's not playing for a while now. Uh, Kyrie Irving's not on the trip. And James Harden played 40 minutes the night before, and they gave him the night off and labeled it a neck injury, but I think it really should have been labeled DNP 40 minutes in Portland. That probably would have been more accurate. Blake Griffin, DNP, left knee. Dinwiddie's not playing. I mean, that, the Nets, if the Nets go to the finals, and there are a lot of people who think they are, and David Locke is selling them hard, and... You know, certainly they were 16-2 and two in the last 18 games. So you got to give it up to them. They are figuring it out on the fly, getting it together. Um, but they didn't have their guys last night, and the Jazz really hammered them. So for the best of the postgame show, here is Jake Scott to wrap things up after a 30-point win. It's your Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. No Irving, no Harden, no Kevin Durant, no problem for the Utah Jazz. They beat up on the Nets last night, 118-88. to Jake Scott with you. Uh, we're going to get you some post-game sound. The Jazz led by Donovan Mitchell's 27 points on 11 of 18 shooting, do, doing most of the damage in the first half. Uh, the game was uh, far out of hand before halftime in this one, but uh, Donovan played well. Bogdanovich broke out of his cold streak. He was Four for six from three, five for eight from the field. He had 18 points. Conley with 18 points. George Niang with 15 points coming in off the bench. And Joe Ingles was lights out for a few games there. In fact, uh, as hot as any player in NBA history, he came back down to earth a little bit. One for six last night with uh, with just three points, although Joe did grab seven rebounds and managed to dish out three assists. Let's get you some postgame sound. Let's start things off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. Hi, Coach. We'll get started with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Coach, first home game after a long road trip uh, can really feel like a road game, but that didn't show at all. You guys dominated right from the start. Are you pleased with what your team did tonight? Yeah, I think there were some good things. Obviously, you know, Brooklyn was shorthanded. Um, but, at, you know, every game, try to get better. Um, tonight's no different. Um, 
so I, you know, I thought we came out playing good defense and, uh, you know, they were able to get some offensive rebounds in the first half, which is, you know, they were, they were, they played a big lineup then, but I thought as the game progressed in the second half, you know, we did a better job on the boards and there's some things we'll take from this game. Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Quinn, what are those things that you can take from this game, just given that, you know, they come in shorthanded to begin with, and then on top of that only play DeAndre Jordan a handful of minutes, um, you know, Joe Harris a handful of minutes. What are what are the things that you look at from a result like tonight? Um, well, I mentioned, the, the, you know, the defensive glass, you know, the transition defense, those are things that – you know, no matter who's in the game for us or you know, our opponent that we, we want to execute in and focus on. I think, uh, you know, when they're switching pick and roll, you know, we have a tendency to get stagnant in, in those situations and we haven't seen that in a little bit, but that that's something that we have seen and will continue to see. So, um, you know, I, I thought we, like I said, we were a little stagnant in that, a little indecisive, and, um, you know, that's something we've got to continue to, to work on and improve at when you haven't seen it in a while. Um, it's a different coverage. And, you know, like any adjustment that a team makes, uh, it takes sometimes it takes more time than you want, you know, to execute more cleanly in that. And Anderson, KSLsports.com. Jordan seemed pretty dejected in the fourth quarter. I know he had a couple of uh, frustrated timeouts. What do you say to him, or does he just kind of need to shoot himself out of this? Well, you know, I don't want to overreact to, to one or two games for any of our guys. Um, you know, we, we know who Jordan is. He's been terrific as many games as you know, he's had far more games where he's, you know, made shots. But I think the thing we saw, you know, there's other ways to impact the game. And, you know, I thought you saw him really dig in defensively in the second half. You know, he got in the lane and kicked it out a few times. And that's, you know, that's, that, that's going to happen to everybody. If you're not making shots, one, you know, keep shooting, particularly the catch and shoot threes. I think he, you know, he started to pass some of those up. Um, but he, when he did put the ball on the floor and got in the lane, you know, he really, he had his eyes out and, you know, made a couple good passes um, that he kicked out to, to his teammates. David James, KUTV. Quinn, what have you seen from uh, Ursan Ilyasova, either in the little bit you've seen him play on the court or just getting to know him off the court? And what do you need and want to see from him in the next couple of weeks? Well, none of us have really seen a lot of each other because of, you know, the protocols on the road. You know, Ursan's been, been playing with some of the younger guys to – you know, not only find his rhythm, but to, you know, to continue to get in shape. Um, I, you know, he, with the things that we're doing, you know, a lot of them are new to him, but the concepts are not. Um, and I think you saw him, you know, his ability to handle the ball um, and his length, you know, when he's around the board, you know, we think defensively down on the post, he can rebound and, you know, he has a presence down there. So um, not going to evaluate Urson. We know who he is. I say I'm not going to evaluate him on his, his minutes tonight. I wanted to get him in, you know, with some of the, uh, the older guys, meaning, you know, with JC and with George and some of those guys as well to help him kind of find a rhythm. 
There's Quinn Snyder after his team roughed up the Nets 118 to 88. And coach uh, did acknowledge, of course, the, the Nets were a little shorthanded, but did uh, talk about how gave his team the opportunity to work on some things. And uh, he seemed happy with the way that his team played. Let's now get a listen to Donovan Mitchell. Hey, Donovan. We'll get started with Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Donovan, we talked about your assertiveness um, and the pace and the rhythm in the first quarter. What felt different at the start for you tonight? Um, I think the biggest thing was just trying to just attack. Um, you know, when they started small, understand if I get to the rim or if I find guys or whatever, finding my looks, you know, just trying to find ways to contribute anyway. Um, but the biggest thing is just trying to be aggressive, get downhill, make plays, and um, – Today it was get on the rim and finish. You know, some games just get there and kick when they collapse. Um, but that was just my mindset from the jump. Matt Cools, AP. Sometimes when a team is missing a bunch of their starters, it can kind of be a dangerous game. What did you guys tell yourselves before you came out tonight knowing uh, that they were missing a bunch of guys? Yeah, you know, we had that to start the break or to, to the first game after the break against Houston. Um, you know, they had a bunch of guys who were, who, um, were out. And, you know, they came to play. We were up by, I want to say, 24 at one point. And then they came back to cut the single digits. So the biggest thing was start strong, continue to play strong, continue to play the right way, continue to do what we do, um, and keep it that way for the full 48 minutes. And I think we did a good job of that tonight. Um, those guys are talented, you know, just because those stars weren't playing. Those those guys, whether it's Chioza, Brown, um, Harris, uh, TLC, like those guys can, can hoop. Alzey Johnson had 20 and 15 or whatever. So those guys are good. You know, we, we, we continue to do what we do. And, you know, we had a few mis- mistakes that we can clean up. But overall, we, we did a solid job. David James, KUTV. You know, at different times this year, you've had guys who've had cold streaks, gotten a little frustrated. Bojan got it going. He's had some games he missed shots. Jordan looked a little frustrated tonight. You know, as a leader, what do you say? Or, or maybe what do you don't say? And just let him get out of it. Um, I think we've, I think pretty much everyone this, on the team's had one. You know, I started the year off that way. You know, Joe had one, Mike had one, uh, Jace, like, you know, it's, it's, it's part of it. You know, it's, it's, it's part of the season. I think, you know, Boyan said something today, you know, he was saying that he's, this is, I think he said the worst slump of his career, but he knows what to do. You know, like, we're, we, these guys, like JC had a, a tough night tonight, but at the end of the day, he, he's, he's been here before. You know, he understands. And for me, it's just being there for him. I think that's us as a team, just being there for each other, understanding that it's not always going to be, you know, an efficient night, you know, but understanding that the looks he got were good. You know, it wasn't like he was out there taking bad shots. It wasn't like guys were taking bad shots. And, you know, the same shots he made is the same shots he missed today, you know, and it's not going to be the same way uh, next game of the game after that. Um, but the biggest thing about a slump is not thinking about the slump, if that makes sense. So not really saying, oh, man, like I'm going through it. Just trying a way to keep yourself uh, on the same level, same shots, and, and keep playing the right way, you know. And at the end of the day, he's, he, did his, he did his thing on defense, you know, contributed pass, made good pass, made good reads. And just because the shot wasn't falling, you know, he was he was doing other things. And I think that's that's the best part about him and, and Boyan. And, you know, we're going to continue to build off of that. Last question, Ryan Miller, KSL. Is it ever disappointing to when a team doesn't have all their guys? Is it, does it like make the game a little weaker, I guess, in your mind? No, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that because it kind of discredits, you know, the guys who are, who are playing. I wouldn't say it makes it weaker in a sense. I think, you know, you know, when you play against, we want to play against, you know, guys the likes of KD, Kyrie, uh, James Harden, like, you know, that's what it's competitiveness. It's the competitive part, competitor in me, competitive everybody. But at the end of the day, it's basketball. You know, we're not, 
<clears throat> we're not going to change how we play or who or our mindset because guys aren't in the game. Um, I think that's that was the, that's what we showed tonight. You know, I think that's we've had instances in, in my time here where we've played you know differently because guys have been out. You know, and I think tonight really showed the mental fortitude we had throughout the entire game to continue to 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 keep our foot on the pedal. You know, and like I said, those guys are good; they can hoop. You know, and at the end of the day, we got to go out there and do what we do what we do, and um, just keep keep uh, keep asserting ourselves. All right, thank you, Donovan. I don't tweet on game days, but shout out to the U of L women uh, beating Northwest, and we got Oregon, which we're about to get a win. So make sure y'all tune in. There's Donovan Mitchell, twenty-seven points for Donovan last night, uh, seven assists and zero turnovers as he uh, continues to play very, very well. You heard him talk about Boyan Bogdanovich breaking out a little bit. Let's hear from the man himself. Here is Bogdanovich. Hey, Boyan. We'll start with Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, boy, I'm just based on what you were telling us this morning about, you know, the slump that you're going through and how you're feeling. How did it feel tonight to, do, you know, see some shots go in and, and kind of get in the rhythm of the game? I mean, it was a little bit easier today. Even I started the game again with a, with a too easy, too easy misses. But uh, I stick I stick with a game. I had a couple open open ones later on. But like I said, I got a. I got to be focused and then to be more focused on the beginning of the games. I cannot start every single game with all for all three or all for four. So, so it's, it's great to, to see the ball go in. So I hope that, that I'm going to, I'm going to be back. I'm going to be back and then play way better than, than I was before the, after the all-star. Next up, Matt Cole's AP. Well, and do you think the team has turned a corner and playing more the way that you were playing when you had the long win streak? Listen, we had a we had a really tough schedule. No one understands that we were on, on the road for the twenty-one or, or, or out of twenty-seven last last day. So, so we had a tough schedule. We back home finally. We are trying to to find a rhythm after the after the all-star break and, and, and play better, play the, the jazz basketball that everybody that every, everybody loves. So so we got a like I said, a home stretch here and and, and and we have to take care of the business and then try to get on another another winning streak. Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Okay, they obviously rested their guys. Uh, I mean, in this kind of compressed 72-game schedule, you mentioned kind of how tough it has been for you guys, but are you feeling the difference physically between this year and maybe the average NBA season? Is it more of a grind than it has been in years past? I don't feel any difference, honestly. Even even we have a, we have a crowd here, so we are even better physically when we play, play in front of the crowd. And a lot of teams are playing in, in empty gyms, so it's really... It's really tough to play that way. Even no one, like no one, fans don't care if we play in a in a empty arena or, or in front of the fans. So, so I really like to play in a, in our home in front of our fans. So, so not basically nothing different physically, but it's big difference playing in front of fans or or with no fans. Last question, David James, KTV. Well, yeah, when you're playing a team like this is missing so many guys, you guys talk about that before the game and talk about wanting to get off to a great start because obviously 38 to 17, you dominated the game right away. Or is that just something that's unsaid? Well, listen, every every single team 
got a got a great players and whoever's in the league they got a, they got quality so we had a problems with a with the Houston in here when when they rest their guys they had a they lead us in the first quarter I think or or on on half time so it's a little bit tough to adjust when they play with a we had a game plan for the for James Harden and all these guys and then suddenly they didn't play so like I said it's it's, it's great great team win we had an opportunity for the for our young guys to play whole whole four quarters so like I said great 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 game for us there's Boyan Bogdanovich, 18 points, 5 of 8 shooting, 4 of 6 from 3, as he had a bit of a bounce-back game after some struggles. Good to see him uh, back shooting dead-eye. And uh, you you would guess that Bogdanovich will get back to his 40% from 3 shooting self, no doubt about it. All right, coming up next, more DJ and PK right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, there's Jake Scott with the best of the post-game show, and he and Tim Lacombe will be back for Jazz Prehab and post Friday night as the Jazz play the Grizzlies and again Saturday night as the Jazz host the Grizzlies again. It's one of those things about this crazy season. We're going to see back-to-back games. We're seeing it uh, tonight with the Clippers and Spurs playing for the second time in uh, two games. Clippers picking up the win there. Uh, Lakers got to play tonight. We will get to all of that coming up next. What is trending is on the way. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.